All right, Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And guys, I promise we're going to finish this today. We shall, we shall, we shall. Because I'm at the end of the journey. And so uh, we left off. Let's go down to, if you will, uh, the 17th verse. We were talking about um, the helmet of salvation and how critically important it is that we protect our mind, our thought life. Because the enemy will love nothing more than to set up a stronghold or a partition in your mind such that that partition doesn't allow the word of God to penetrate into that area in your life, in your mind, in your thinking that needs to be transformed. Because we know through the scripture in Romans the 12th chapter that God changes us into a new person by changing the way we think. So if the enemy can keep you from getting the word of God into embedded in your mind, down into your heart, that, that will ultimately result in you transforming you to, to a new creature in Christ, he'll do whatever it takes to do that, to keep your thinking the way it's always been. I told you, it's, it takes work to change your thinking, and we got to get to the point where we, we have to say to ourselves, God, your will be done, not my will. That's the pattern that our Savior, Jesus Christ, set when he was preparing to go to the cross of Calvary, he said, Lord, if there's any other way to accomplish this redemption story, let it be that way. Because I am not looking forward to having separation from you. And it's nothing that he did to cause separation. But when he took on the sins of the world on him, he took our sins upon him. Sin separates us from God. He says, but not my will, God, but thy will be done. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, is that even though I'm, uh, if there's another way to do this, I want to do it another way. But God, nevertheless, let your will be done and not my will. And in order to be in that position, our thinking has to change. The text says this in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number 17. Are you there with me? Let's read together. It says what? Salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Verse 18 for good measure. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stop. On every occasion do what? Every occasion do what? Stay alert. Stay alert. And be what? Persistent in your prayers for all believers what? Everywhere. Now, I shared with you on, on last week about Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, how he was, he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, right? And it's one thing, guys, to be led by the spirit. It's another thing to, to move and operate in the power of the spirit. God wants us to move and operate in the power of the spirit. And when we do that, we have the, the, the capability and the capacity to keep our thinking focused on the right things. Because it's through our changed thinking that God transforms us. Jesus, amen, when you look at his life, didn't do the latter, in other words, operating the power of the Spirit until he had his conflict with Satan and one. In some degree or other, each one of us, hear me carefully, each one of us will need to walk the same path. We will have to overcome temptation and opposition in order to move in the power of the Holy Ghost. I got to repeat that. We will have to overcome temptation and opposition 
in order to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. When Satan came to Jesus, the first thing he tempted Jesus to do was to doubt. He wanted Jesus to doubt the integrity of God's word. And that has been his mantra. That has been his MO, modus operandi, from the time in the Garden of Eden. If he can get you to doubt the validity of God's word, if he can get you to doubt the promises that God made to you, then he has you on his territory. He has you in a position where he can take advantage of you because you doubted God's word. Are y'all with me today? That, that's, 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 that's almost always Satan's initial approach when he comes to us. He will not immediately deny the word of God. He will question it or cause us to doubt it. Then that, yea, hath God said, well, did the Bible say, did the Bible really mean it when it says pray for those who despitefully use you? Pastor, can't nobody really do that, can they? Well, if the Bible says to do it, then that means we have the capacity within us to do just that. God would be an unjust God if he asked us to do something that we didn't have the capacity to do. If you remember this, go, go back with me to Matthew, the third chapter. Go, go to Matthew, the third chapter, verse 16 and 17. Matthew, chapter number three, verses 16 and 17. Talking about being armed for battle. The helmet of salvation, which protects our mind and our thinking, is critically important for all of us to embrace and to wear on a daily basis. There is so much stuff that's coming at each one of us every day that we got to protect the way we think. All right, because I'm going to give you word here this Sunday morning, but I promise you before you get home or before you get out that door, the enemy is going to come to try to tell you you can't do what the word of God just said you can do. When I give a word on financial management, when I give a word on God's being our support and our supply, that he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, before you get going good in this coming week, something will come up in your life that will cause you to doubt God's ability to take care of your financial needs. I'll give a word on marriage, and we come from a marriage retreat. And I, I love it when we, we, that first week or two after marriage retreat, people are on a spiritual marital high. They're looking at each other. They're all goo-goo-eyed, and, and it's, it's like we renewed our vows, guys. But then us happens. Then our little idiosyncrasies, our little ways of doing things, our little habits begin to creep back in and cause us to forget what we learned about how we should treat one another in the marital relationship. Our promise is going to happen. It happens because we are fleshly beings, and it happens because the enemy knows that if he can get you to doubt what you learned, he got you on his territory. If he can get you to come away from the word of God, he has you where he wants you. Look, watch the text after his baptism. As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. It says this next verse, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. The KJV says, this is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. Now watch this. We have the Father in heaven confirming and affirming his son as he steps out to go into his public mission for this next three, three and a half years. 
He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God had just spoken from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. And Satan was challenging Jesus to doubt what he had heard from God. We go to that fourth chapter when he comes in and begins to say some things to him. He approached him three times. But each time Jesus says what? It is written. In his response, Jesus relied on the full and unbreakable authority of the written word of God. Each time Jesus was tempted, he responded with what? It is written. And whenever Jesus said that, Satan changed the subject. Can I get a witness? He changed the subject. He knew he had no answer to the scripture. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if God manifested in human flesh, had to utilize the scripture to ward off temptation, what about you and I? How, pray tell me, do we think or we believe that we're going to have the capacity to fight off a real enemy and we have no word in us? Go with me to 1 Peter, I think it is, chapter 5. All right? Because the reality is, many Christians, and I'm not saying they're not, we're not saved. A lot of Christians, don't, you know, they're, they're believers who are really truly born-again believers. But if we don't learn how to embrace the Scripture, the Holy Scripture, as the sword that enables us to ward off the enemy, we're going to find ourselves in a position to where the devil is eating us alive. He's wreaking havoc in our houses. He's wreaking havoc on our jobs. He's wreaking havoc in our communities. He's wreaking havoc in this nation because Christians have left the authority of God's word and following that, and they're following their political parties. It's a sad commentary when professed believers trust more in the political party to effect change in the community than they do God's word and the power of the gospel. Nowhere in Scripture does God tell us to transform the community through politics. And again, we're politically involved. We should vote. We should try to put people in office who got good sense. And I'm going to tell you, there's some folks in office who don't have good sense. Are you listening to me? But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was called to transform the community by taking the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, his awesome, everlasting love that he showed by giving that perfect sacrifice, take that message and show the love of Christ to those who are hurting, and by virtue of showing the love of Christ and depositing that love into someone's life, we can begin to see community transformation. But no, we don't want to do that. We, 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 we're going to change it through the political system. Now, listen, again, be involved. But you cannot, as a Christian, trust politics. Because most politicians, I'm not saying all of them, uh, most politicians will, will, will say whatever it takes to get elected. And some of the stuff that they're saying, they don't even believe. And I find it hard for, a, for, for me, for a Christian, to be uh, in such a state where, they, where they'll, they'll go along with something just to stay in power. I'm depending on Holy Ghost. I told y'all before, it doesn't matter to me, Nam, why? It don't matter to me one iota. Let me back up. It does matter, but I don't get afraid based on who's in power. Because if the truth be told, the God that I serve is greater than the God in this world. 
greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So either I believe that I don't. Ooh, what are we going to do? Ooh, a Democrat in office. Ooh, Republican in office. I'm so scared. Why are you scared? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. So why are you scared? Why are you afraid? Who are you trusting? Are you trusting man? Or are you trusting God? Do you believe that, that what's that Greek word we brought out the other week? Do y'all remember it? Indunamios? Jason, can you put it up again? Because I think we forgot about it. I want somebody to go home and look it up. If you find what well, the Greek word home in Ephesians 6 10, be strong in the Lord and the power, what? His might. Indunamio. Let's say it again. Say Indunamio. In and power. That word implies that there is a, a, a power source that is available for you and I to be able to accomplish the things that God said we can accomplish in his word. All right? Y'all with me? All right, thank you. So let's go, 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 to, go to 1 Peter 5. <sighs> Say, hold your mute, Pastor. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm trying to hold it, but it's in me this morning. Now watch this. Go with me, if you will, uh, verse number five of First Peter chapter five. I think that's where I want to go. Yes. Yeah, here we go. Can we read together? What does reading do? We, we, we want to read so we can audibly hear the word, right? Jesus didn't think it is written. He spoke it out loud. Words are spiritual containers. Words have the ability to create. Words have the ability when they're based on the right thing to produce faith in your heart. So we got to learn how to speak the word over our situation. So y'all ready to speak it? Are you ready to speak it? I didn't hear you, fellow Elizabethans. Are you ready to speak it? All right. Thank God. Amen. I know some of y'all are hot. I'm a Louisiana Tech football fan. I played over there. And when they scored that touchdown last night in the fourth quarter, I was hollering. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was hollering, Rafe. I was hollering. Those my boys. And one of our own, Brother Keldrick Moody, amen, played over half the game and did a yeoman's job in his first time getting... He's going back there playing drums, but he's playing ball last night. So learn how to holler. All right. Makes me want to throw up my, do my, do y'all remember that song? Is that, is that how good it is to be in the presence of the Lord? Some of y'all go look this song up. Make me want to sing. Make me want to shout. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right, can we read? Are y'all ready? Let's go. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in what? Humility as you relate to one another. For God does what? Opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Next verse, let's go. Come on, guys. 
So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up what? In honor. Keep moving, y'all. Give all of... For he... Stop. Stop. KW says, casting all of your cares upon him, for he what? Careth for you. Now, I got a question for you. Because it says, give all your worries and cares to God. I got to ask you a question. This year, have you been carrying some of your worries? Well, this just told you to give all your worries and cares to God. So if I'm worrying, am I not trusting? And if I'm worrying, I'm not being obedient to this scripture. Because it says, give all your worries and cares to God. There's another passage that says, be careful or over anxious about nothing, but everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which does what passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now the Bible said that, then I got a problem if I'm worried. Hear me, hear me, come in close, come in close. I have a problem if I am worrying when the Bible tells me not to worry. Because God would be an unjust God if he told me or required me to do something that I did not have the capacity to do. Can I get a witness up in here? So, so give all your worries and cares to God for he what? He cares about what? You. He does what? He cares about who? He cares about whom? Make it personal. He cares about me. So if I find myself worrying, I'm out of sync with my God. Because he told me, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Do you really believe that, though? Do you really, are you really of the mindset, Brenda, Faye, that God cares about you? Do you really know that? Lou, do you know it? Ellen, do you know that he cares? Do you know it, Delita? Do you know it? See, when you really know something, with everything in you, it causes you to move on that thing that you know. Can I get a witness? It causes you to move on the thing that you have the confident assurance of. So it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I got to keep moving. Y'all ready? We're reading out loud, right? Because words are like spiritual containers. We see Jesus, when he was tempted, he spoke the word. He didn't just think it. He spoke it. That's a pattern for us. It is written, thou shalt work the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. It is written, thou shalt, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what proceeded out of the mouth of God. So let's read. Ready to go? Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, seeking whom he may devour, the KJV says. He's trying to find someone who's weak enough, who's off base, whose thinking has not been transformed. He's trying to find somebody, even up in this church, who he can use to create havoc. So my question is, are you going to be one of that person he used to create havoc in the church, in your home, in your place of employment, in the community, in the school? Are you going to be that person who he can utilize? Stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. 
We got to watch out because the enemy is coming after us. The enemy wants to disrupt our peace. He wants us to be uh, in a state of turmoil, but, but we don't have to be. Because the Bible says we can cast all of our cares upon him for he cared for us. Look at the next verse. Let's read it. It says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that what? Is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Now again, you're not the only one that's faced issues of suffering. You're not the only believer who's had to walk through a valley experience. You are not the only believer who has, who has some trying times. We all, if we're honest about it, have times where, the, where, where it looks like we're, we're under assault and attack from the enemy. But I'm here to tell you, the God that I serve and the God that you serve is able to strengthen you for this time of battle. He's able to arm each and every one of us for spiritual warfare. Everybody say, I am armed for battle. Now, again, think about this. Jesus, again, so we have a, we have a real devil who's trying to find somebody whom he can go and devour. That means that he cannot devour every Christian. And I submit to every last one of us in here, you can be the one he runs from when you wake up in the morning. I heard a guy say this way, and I like the way he says, says, when I get up in the morning, the devil ought to start trembling. Oh, Lord. They're that prayer warrior. He's woke. Oh, Lord. He knows how to bind demonic spirits. Oh, Lord. He knows how to cast me out. I'm going to get out of his way. See, many of us, if we're really honest about it, the devil himself is not too much concerned about us because we're not having very much impact. But once you start having impact, once you start, amen, depositing gospel truths in the lives of those who don't know Christ, and then their lives begin to be transformed, they begin to be regenerate through the blood of Christ, then the devil don't like you very much. So what he's going to do is try to come and disrupt your peace. But we do have peace that surpasses all understanding, that'll keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But we got to make sure that we are, amen, renewing our mind. Amen. Jesus relied on the word of God. And again, we got to make sure that, uh, that, that, that we don't ever get to the point where we think we are clever enough to argue with the devil. He's been in this business a long time, y'all, a long, long time. Don't try to convince him with your arguments. Instead, meet him with the scripture. Every time he came to Jesus, what does Jesus say? It is written. Some of y'all, listen, some of y'all, can I, can I free some of y'all from, from, from the, the, the turmoil of, of family members trying to challenge you in your faith walk? And they, they, if they say, they, they, they just barely say. Or, or, or maybe they're baby Christians and they think you take this stuff too seriously. And, and you sitting here, you, you, you're telling them the word of God. And, and sometimes they, if you're not careful, you allow them to frustrate you. Your job is not to try to win anybody because that's not your job. Your job is just to plant seed. Once you recognize that your job is simply to plant seed, you can't argue somebody into salvation. All right? They got to know Christ and, and, and desire his love for him for themselves. And that comes by us telling our story. I was sharing with a, a, a brother yesterday, a preacher uh, friend, I know, and I said, you know, one of the things that we got to do is teach the people of God, the body of faith, how to be disciple makers. And one of the ways we do that, and we're going to learn this in our new upcoming study called Rooted, 
you're going to learn how to tell your story. Because can't nobody tell it like you can tell it what the Lord has what, done for you. You know how he's transformed your life. You know what he's done for you. So, so you don't have to have, again, a, 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 a degree from seminary to tell what God has done for you. If God has done anything for you, you should be able to express that to others to say, here's what happened to me once I came to faith in Christ Jesus. Here's how I used to think, and here's how my marriage was until I started putting the word of God into my marriage. Here's how my work environment was. I was frustrated by people. I wanted to quit every day. I complained. I was not a very good witness for the Lord because every time I went to work, I had a mean look on my face. Do y'all work with people like that? They come, they come to work and look mean like, like they've been fighting all night. Listen, I believe that if I'm a born-again believer, when I step into that place of employment, even if it's not where I'm going to ultimately be in life, I have been commanded by God to whatever I do to work heartily as unto the Lord. So when I come to work, grumbling and complaining, that's sinful. All right, now listen. Here we go. We're going to have a confession time right now, okay? So if we're supposed to work heartily as unto the Lord, and whatever we do, heartily means do it full-throated. That means do it, do it with, with, with all the vigor and vitality within us. I need to see the hands of every Christian in this building who's went to work and sinned because you didn't work heartily as unto the Lord. All right, so, okay. Lightning is going to strike some of y'all. Because you're sitting there, and because I told you this is a participatory sermon, and I'm trying to bring it out of you, I'm trying to make you realize that when you go to work with the wrong attitude, well, I don't like my job, well, go find another one where you can do what you like. But it's sin for you to step in that place and have a bad attitude and not work harder than the Lord. All right, so here we go again. I need to see the hands. Of all of us in here, since you've been working out on your own, have had days when you went to work and your attitude wasn't quite right. Uh, you, 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 you took a longer break than when you were allotted. Come on. Come on. I need some. And you didn't make it up on the back end. You said, okay, I, I took extra 45 minutes for lunch. I'm going to stay 45 minutes later, but everybody leaves at 5, then you leave at 5.15. Come on, man, a woman of integrity. See, you don't realize God is watching that. See, y'all don't like me now, do you? All right, guys, I'm telling you, God is looking for people. The Bible says his eyes run to and fro throughout the earth trying to find a man or woman whom he can show himself strong towards. And he can't show himself strong towards you when you're not being a person of integrity. All right, so all of us, let's repent right now. Say, Jesus, say, God, forgive me for not working heartily as unto you. Forgive me, God, for not having the right attitude when I did what I did in my place of employment. Forgive me, God, for serving at church and my attitude stunk. Stunk, yeah. Stunk. Because sometimes we do stuff for the Lord, not realizing that the Lord is watching how we do what we do. 
we think we're okay because we did it. And God is saying, I got to deal with your heart because even though you did it, there was something in your heart that wasn't right. God is a God who looks at, looks at us and he changes us from the inside out. Okay? Are y'all still with me? All right. So, so again, we, we, we got to get to, we got to get to the point that we'll be speaking the word into our situation. You got to speak it. There are two Greek words for word. Can I give them to you right quick? One is logos, L-O-G-O-S, and the other is R-H-E-M-A. Logos, if I say logos, and rhema. Logos is the total eternal counsel of God. Rhema is a spoken word of God. Logos, again, is the total eternal counsel of God. Rhema is a spoken word of God. Rhema is the word used in Ephesians 6 and 17 where it talks about here, Paul says to take the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of the spoken word of God. So I got to learn if I'm going to do spiritual warfare, I got to start speaking into my situation. That's exactly what Jesus did. So why do we think we don't have to do that? He spoke the word. The Bible will not be a sword and a protection for you sitting on your desk. It only works when you open it up and begin to veer into it, study it, and begin to speak it forth into your situation. You have to take it into your mouth and say it yourself. Then it becomes a short sword from which the devil got to back out. He ain't got no answer. Every time Jesus said the word, he changed the subject. And see, when you're dealing with Demonic spirits and, and, and demonic spirits can influence people who you're in a relationship with. And when you bring up the word, sometimes people get mad. We ain't talking about the Bible. Well, yes, we are. I don't. I've even had people say, "I don't want." I, 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 this ain't got to do with the Bible. Everything in life for me as a Christian has to do with the Word of God because it's how I direct my life. But Pastor, me, you, but Pastor, everything, everything passed, everything passed. Yes, everything. What about you and your wife when y'all are in sexual relations? Yeah, I, I go to. Have y'all ever read Song of Solomon? Yeah. I, I, obviously, some of y'all had. Y'all. Yeah. If you go to read Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon talks about uh, the, the the love between a man and a woman, and it talks about how the sexual act is is, is an act of two becoming one flesh, and it's symbolic of Christ and the church being one. Talks about the woman's breast. Some of y'all want to go on reading that, don't you? You know what was in the Bible, guys. There's a word for your situation. There's a principle, a precept, and command that can guide us in every aspect of our life. But if we set it aside and just go for what we know and, and live life based on our experiences, we'll never get to the place in God where he can do the supernatural things that he wants to do in our life. Amen. Because he's going to take the word of God and the Holy Spirit to get us there. Okay? Again, if you just, if you just make a commitment, just... Let's come study together corporately. Maybe you don't do so well on your own. And we're willing to help. You got to purposely engage. You can, no church, hear me carefully, no church can help grow you spiritually without your participation. I'll tell you, that's one reason why we change our concept for discipleship training. You know, we, we move Sunday school 
we did this during the pandemic and, we, and we're still doing it. We moved Sunday school off of Sunday and said, let's give us a time where we can have a little bit more than that 45 minutes, but we're going we're gonna to meet on Wednesdays and instead of just ordering books for everybody who on the roll, let's order books for those who sign up. Because there needs to be a degree of intentionality to your discipleship. If you're just doing it because we bought you a book and, and, and you, you, you come one time and never show up again, you can't really be discipled that way. When you wanted that degree, which opened the door for you to get the job that you have right now, you had to take the initiative to register. And you had to show up for class, study for the test, pass the test to get the diploma. Can I get one witness up in here? You had to show intentionality. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that will not happen with a state of passivity in your Christianity. Man, I'm just laid back. I'm just whatever come, come. Que sarah, sarah, whatever be, shall be. No! God says, I call you as a church to go and make disciples. And you have to be intentional when it comes to discipleship. It requires a little bit more than just showing up on Sunday morning. So, the seriousness of your commitment to your local assembly is borne out in your, in, your, in your intentionality in engaging in the discipleship training process. Because here's what I discovered as a pastor, and it's freed me. Those who don't want to be disciples, you can't disciple. I'm not going to chase you down to, 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 to make sure that you are of trying to be intentional in, 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 uh, in learning more about Christ. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to exhort you. But if you don't want it, you're not going to only go so far in Christ. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you're, the enemy will eat you alive when you don't know word, when you haven't been properly discipled. And you ought to get tired of him tearing you up like that. Aren't you tired? Listen, aren't you tired of that bully whipping you? On your way to school, taking your lunch money. At some point in time, you got to stand up and say, I'm going to pop you in the mouth. <laughs> or whatever you got to do. The devil is seeking, he's going about seeking whom he may devour. Are y'all with me today? So we got to take the word of God off our desk and put it where? In our hearts. So lastly, go, go back to Ephesians 6, chapter, verse number 18. All prayer. Everybody said all prayer. All prayer. Ephesians 6, verse number 18. And, and, and guys, before I go into this, listen to this carefully. Whenever you hear a Christian saying, I can't, it can't be done, there's no way I can do it. I tried everything and it just doesn't work. Pastor, I know what you said the Bible says, but I just can't do it. It, it. it can't be done. When you hear somebody say that, you're looking at somebody who has allowed Satan to build a stronghold in their mind. To tell you, you can't do what God says you can do. Because God wouldn't tell you to do it if you didn't have the capacity to do it. But because a stronghold has been built up because of your experience, because of the last guy you had, the last woman you had, and now you think every woman or every man is like the last guy you had. You never got delivered. You never got set free. And now you, even now you're in a situation where you, 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 you're in covenant relationship with somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who, who, who has no desire for God, and, and, and they're making things tough for you. 
And you're thinking, okay, there's no way. I've been with this man for this many number of years, Pastor. I hear you, I hear you, but it ain't going to change. Let me tell you something. If that's your mindset, then Satan has a stronghold built right up in there, which causes you not to be able to receive the promised revealed word of God. That fortress got there and was constructed by Satan. A stronghold, again, remember, is a mindset that holds you hostage. It makes you believe that you are hopelessly locked in a situation, that you are powerless to change. That's when you hear people say, it ain't going to happen, Pastor. I've given up hope. I want to tell you something. You serve a God who is powerful enough to do anything except fail. You serve a God who's given you the power and the strength, the indunamio, that, that's, that you, if you will receive his infilling power, you have the capacity to overcome every obstacle that the enemy throws your way. But you got to change your thinking. Everybody say, change my thinking. Ephesians 6 and 18. Watch this. Let's read. It says what? Pray in the spirit at all times. On every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers what? The seventh weapon is not listed in exactly the same way as the previous six, but it is definitely needed to make the equipment of the Christian soldier complete. Of those previous six items, guys, only the last one, the sword of the spirit, I told you is a weapon of attack, and even the sword is effectively only as far as the soldier's arm can reach. But the seventh weapon, all prayer is subject to no limitations. Can I get a witness? Focused prayer directed by the Holy Spirit can reach across the globe and strike with an accuracy any target it's assigned to. It's a stealth weapon that we can utilize, the power of prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says man ought to always pray and not lose heart. Like the sword that was previously mentioned, this weapon of all prayer depends on the Holy Spirit for its effectiveness, guys. Amen. For its effectiveness, it must be prayed in the spirit. God doesn't commit such a weapon to Christians who are guided by their, only by their carnal nature and their carnal desires. Maybe your prayer life is not working because you're still allowing your flesh to lead and not your spirit, man. Maybe you're not seeing the manifestation of God's promises in your life because you're too, you're too stuck on doing things your way when God says, if you're willing to commit your will to mine, I do great things to you. He did it with the apostle Paul. He did it with Peter. He did it with others in the, in the New Testament church where they went about, amen, transforming entire regions because they walked in the power of the Holy Spirit and didn't depend on their own carnal fleshly nature. Amen. All prayer includes many different kinds of prayer. Go with me right quick to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 in the KJV. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. All prayer. Everybody say all prayer. One of the things that I've noticed since we started doing corporate prayer every Monday morning at 6 a.m., I was, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to um, this guy, uh, is, he's a, a minister of music at one of the, one of the largest uh, churches in, in, in in the street with Bozier, and we were having lunch one day, and I was just telling my story and sharing some things with him. And I said, you know, we, we started something about two or three years ago 
uh, at Monday morning at 6 a.m., we have a corporate prayer time. And he said, yeah. I said, he said, how's that going? I said, it's going real well. I said, on average, we have anywhere from 50 to 60 people at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning up for prayer. Okay? He was just amazed. This church he goes to has about four or 5,000 members. And he was amazed that we could get 60 people up on a Monday morning at 6 a.m. to pray. Now, maybe 10 of them still go back to sleep, but so let's, let's say we got 50. Some of y'all don't have that Zoom. That camera's not on, so some of y'all are snoring still. But, but on average, let's say 50 to 60 people on a Monday morning to pray and intercede. And I believe that there are things happening in the spirit realm because we're praying corporately as a body. We believe in the power of prayer. Do you not know that there are a lot of Christians who don't pray very much nowadays? And our prayer life has to extend beyond just asking for stuff. It has to extend beyond just petition for things. When we learn how to pray fervently, the Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man, that's what availeth much. It changes things. So there are things that are happening. Church is growing. People are getting saved. Ministers are being birthed. Amen. Uh, uh, it, lives are being impacted because we've become a praying church. If you say we're going to have a musical Sunday evening, people will pack the church. Or they used to. But if you say we're going to have a prayer meeting, only a few of them will show up. So let me ask you a question. Do you really believe what you're praying? Because if I don't believe what I'm praying, I wouldn't pray very much. Because I'm going to have that mindset that the enemy is building in my mind. Well, you prayed for this last time. God didn't do that. Maybe God didn't do that because what you were asking for wasn't even really good for you. But you, you can't see five years down the road that had God given you that thing, it would have destroyed you five years later. See, I trust God. And if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, then God's timing, I've discovered, is impeccable. My timing... It's not God's time. I've, 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 I've come to that realization because there's some things I want and I want it when I want it. Had God given it to me when I want it, it, it wouldn't have been very good for me or my family. So I've learned to trust that God knows how to open the door when it's time to open the door. Y'all with me? Watch this. Can we read together? Let's go. Stop. Who's, who's writing? Who's the writer? The Apostle Paul, who's he writing to? What was their relationship? Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. Timothy was Paul's son in the ministry. And he had set Timothy out on this course. Timothy, a shy individual, amen, pastoring these people in the region of Ephesus. And, and now Paul is writing this letter to encourage him. Look at what it says. Read out loud. Read it. Let's go. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for what? For all men. Next verse, let's read. For kings, stop. Oh, stop right there. Stop right there. For kings, we don't have kings in the U.S., but we have presidents, right? I got to ask you a very pertinent question. If your guy is not in office, do you pray for the guy who is in office? Let me make it personal. Did you pray for Reagan? Did you pray for Carter? Did you pray for Bush? 
that you pray for? I did not have sex with that woman. I'm, I couldn't resist that. Bill Clinton? See, here's the problem with a lot of Christians today. You can't get past this scripture, but if you ask some people, quote, born-again believers, did you pray for Obama? They didn't pray for him. They cursed him. Did you pray for Trump? No, Lord. But what did the scripture say? Go, go, go to the uh, NLT, Brother Jay, because some people say, well, I don't know what that, we ain't got no king and stuff. Yeah, but, but yeah, I just want to, uh, just, 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 can we read it again? Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by what? Godliness and dignity. Did you pray for your mayor? Well, I didn't vote for him. He's a Republican. He's a Democrat. So, so okay, so you, you Christian don't pray for Democrats. Oh, you Christians don't pray for Republicans. You Christians who think that way are in sin. Because the Bible says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. All right, think about your prayer life now. Think about your prayer life. I'm going to tell you, God is going to deal with some, some Christians who've gotten to the point to where they disregard Scripture because of their political persuasion and some of the vitriol and some of the hatred that's coming forth from our political parties. It is a shame the way we do stuff nowadays. Treat people with respect. Even if I don't agree with you, I can treat you with respect. And that's not happening in a lot of circles today amongst Christians. I ain't talking to the world. I'm preaching to the church. The world don't know no, but the world is full of sinners. Sin, what sinners do? Sinners sin. But as believers, I've been commanded by God to pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. When last time you pray for your law enforcement officer? We got law enforcement officers in here. Rod White, Carl Jones, other ones, Danny Thomas. I don't, you know, I don't want to start a name. I may miss some. But we got law enforcement officers. So you're not going to pray for law enforcement officers? We got, they're in authority. How you know they're in authority? When they pull you over, you got to stop. <laughs> if you don't stop, you can go to jail. You can't just say, well, you know, I, I had to get home and cook. I ain't got time to be stopping for this policeman pulling me over. I know I was doing 85, but I had to get home early. Guys, you cannot dismiss the scripture because you feel a certain way. I've told you before, be obedient to the word of God and let your feelings line up with your commitment to the word of God. The more obedient you are, the more your, word, your feelings line up. So I got to keep going. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So, some of us in here got to repent. Some of y'all listen to me via live stream. You are ruining your testimony. You are ruining your testimony as a Christian because you have chosen to elevate politics above the word of God. And that's a shame. Are you still with me? I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. 
I don't even care what your political party is. This applies to you. And it applies to whoever's in office. See, we got quiet on We kind of bring it, we land in this plane. And it's, it's coming down. We see the, the landing gear is out. And hopefully it's a smooth landing. But some of y'all are a little tiff with me now because you know you haven't been praying. You've been talking about it. And some of y'all have been cursing out those who are in authority. So I want to know what you're going to do. Is this going to be your guide? Or your family upbringing going to be your guide? Or your neighbors or your husband, your wife going to be your guide? Are you going to govern your life according to the word of God? Or are you going to govern according to your way of thinking? Because there are some people who have, who have not submitted themselves to the authority of God's word. And when you don't submit to the authority of God's word, I'm a little bit scared of you. You're in the church, but the word don't mean enough for you to Follow it, even when you don't feel it, but you do it because of obedience. If you're willing and obedient, you eat the what? The good of the land. So he says, I don't have time to go into different types of prayers. He talked about intercession, you know, uh, supplication, um, you know, uh, giving of thanks. Sometimes just go, just go to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for this day. I just thank you, God, for what you've done for me. God, I didn't come to you to ask for anything. I just want to thank you. Thank you for giving me, as the old folks say, a reasonable portion of health and strength. My back may ache a little bit, but God, I thank you that I, that, that I can still walk. God, just thank you for my family being protected. God, just thank you for giving us peace of mind. Lord, just thank you. Didn't come asking for anything. Just thank you. The problem that some Christians have is they think that the only, only prayer is, is prayer for asking for stuff. And we don't get the stuff they ask for, that God ain't faithful. God didn't give you some things because some things you didn't need in your life. Hello. The person who you ask God for, and you look at them now, you're like, mm, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Guys, sometimes it takes insurmountable, op- insurmountable obstacles to provoke the kind of prayer that Paul told Timothy to pray. And, and, and I, I don't have time to go there, but go to Acts, the fourth chapter. You see one of those instances in Acts, the fourth chapter. Um, you know, the, the council had built a, uh, Satan had built a stronghold that was going to prevent, prevent the furtherance of the gospel. But God's people said, you know, listen, you, 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 you jailed us. You beat us and told us don't, don't preach in the name of Jesus, but, but we, we compelled. We can't help but to do what we're doing because we've been called to promote the gospel. God has changed our lives. We've been filled with his Holy Spirit, and we're going to keep moving forward in faith. So prayer is critically important in this battle. Arm for battle. Everybody say arm for battle. Prayer is a tool that we can utilize to engage in spiritual warfare. So the question is, how is your prayer life? How fervent is it? Are you really praying consistently? Or do you only pray when you need something? God loves you and he desires intimate relationship with you. Don't be the type believer that only comes to God when you need something. And all of us have people in our life like that. We don't hear from them until they need something. And it kind of makes you feel like they think I got stupid written on my head. They don't really want a relationship with me. They just want what I got. They only call me when they want to borrow money. They only call me when they want me to do something for them. That's not really a relationship. 
God desires an intimate relationship with each one of us. And he gives us the power of prayer to communicate with him. Let's utilize it so that we can be appropriately armed for battle. Every head, body, right, close. Father, we thank you right now.